Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Collision alert, sir! The kindergarten on deck eight! It's gone! Uh, ah! No, 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 no. Now the pre-K is gone. All the ship's children have been ejected into space. All those kids. Freeze program. In thousands of simulations, that's literally never happened before. Let's try another one on a ship with even more children. Well, here we are, Bruce, with the second week of Star Trek Lower Decks. So, you know, it's kind of hard to believe there's 10 episodes of Lower Decks. With this episode, we're 20% done the season. Wait, (laughs) I hadn't even thought of it that way. Right? Wow. Isn't that like, that's crazy. We just started. I know. What is up with that? That's wild. Well, welcome everyone to the Positively Trek Lower Decks review episode for Lower Decks season one, episode two, Envoys. And uh, this is the show where we talk about a recent episode of Star Trek and give our ratings and review and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about this week because, you know, with this just being the second episode, all of these characters, this whole show, that's still pretty fresh. So you know, I think this is going to be a fun discussion. You know, I was just thinking that I should react to your 20% comment like a Lower Decks character, which I kind of did, but I really have to exaggerate it more. I have to be like, what? 20%? <laughs> we're only at 20%. How can we only be at 20% now? I mean, I thought we were lower than that, but now we're higher? What? I don't understand. Yeah, they do tend to really react very broadly to situations, don't they? <laughs> they do, Dan. What the heck is up with that? Oh, well, that's cool. I'm just sitting here drinking, enjoying myself, talking to you. I love it. I love doing this podcast. <laughs> I love it as well. Definitely. It's a little early in the morning for me for the amount of Ractigino that it sounds like you've had. <laughs> I've just started drinking a Coke Zero. So, oh. and I'm probably about 20% through with it. Oh, man. <laughs> There's something about 20%. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it's hard to believe we're already so far into the season. But uh, for me, you know, I think Envoys is a pretty solid entry. I, I enjoyed this one. And, you know, just to kind of frame it in the context of what we've seen so far, I would almost say I enjoyed this one just maybe a smidge more than the first episode. But before we started recording, you were telling me you feel kind of the opposite of that. Ooh, drop the bomb. Boom. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, okay, let me say it this way. I think, and this is probably the reason I'm reading your mind, I may be off, but I think you probably like this a smidge more because to me, this episode played more like a Star Trek episode, more so than the first one. It had more of a storyline I don't want to say more of a storyline but it just felt more like there was the A storyline and the B storyline like a like a TNG episode does 
A little bit. Yeah. To me, the main thing was, you know, they're, they're both very close. I, I enjoyed them both very much. I feel like the first episode was a little bit frenetic in its storytelling because it had a lot to do in that half hour. It had to introduce the characters, introduce the world, the setting and all that sort of stuff. This one feels more like, okay, we know where they are and what they're doing. Now we can kind of settle into just having the story and showing a little bit more about these characters. So it felt a little bit more relaxed to me, which, you know, was nice. Just that little tiny bit more of uh, just let's go with the story and we don't have to cram a whole bunch of world establishing into the episode as well. Maybe because it was more relaxed is why I didn't like it as much as the first one. I wouldn't Hmm. think that, but the reason I'm saying I didn't like it as much as the first one is because I was surprised how many times I really laughed out loud watching the first one. And when Hmm. I finished the second one, I realized I didn't really laugh out loud, but just one time. Oh, interesting. I, cause when, yeah, when I watch it alone, I tend to never laugh out loud and I didn't really laugh out loud watching this alone the first time. Uh, when I watched it the second time with Nikki, I, there were several periods we were both laughing out loud. So I'm, I'm curious what, what was the laugh out loud moment for you? It's when Boimler was sitting there after the Andorian fight with his pants down. <laughs> I was just laughed at that. And it wasn't a big laugh. It was just just a little chuckle. Oh, that's interesting. That was funny. That's one of my favorite bits. (laughs) Poor Boimler. Yeah, poor Boimler. But, you know, I did. I enjoyed the episode. Yeah, it's not that I walked away with like going, oh, I didn't like that episode. It was just more when it ended. I thought, okay, so what did I think of that? Oh, you know what? I don't think I really even laughed much at all. And then I thought Mm -hmm. back and I watched it again. And I noticed that I laughed at the Boimler pants down thing and i was like okay that was probably the one time i did laugh the first time i watched it and maybe there was another laugh somewhere i don't remember there just wasn't as much funny moments in this that made me laugh no fair enough fair enough so we talked about there being kind of an a story and a b story so we should probably go through these stories and and talk a bit about them so the a story i would say is probably the mariner boimler escorting this Klingon general to the Federation embassy. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's definitely what I think of when I think of the A story. So yeah, Boimler gets what he feels is a choice assignment. He gets to escort this Klingon general uh, down to the planet. Mariner gets herself attached to the mission and tags along. And we find out that she knows this Klingon general. They have a history here. So I thought that was interesting that we get a bit of insight into Mariner's past. And apparently she ran some off the books, gray ops missions with this Klingon general. Yeah. And I noticed even from the first episode and now going into this one, we're getting little hints of Mariner. There's something about her past, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's that, She's got these, uh, well, I'll kind of save this for later because I feel like this is a lot of uh, what I got from the episode, but she definitely has some experience in Starfleet and is on the ship for some reason. I don't know if it has to do with her mother being the captain that nobody knows about, but uh, I like that she is always having history. And so when we get this Klingon general on board, we find out they have a history. So there's always something there where she has history with everything they run into. And even towards the end, this, I guess we're going to jump around. I mean, there's spoilers or whatever. Oh, yeah. Spoilers all through the episode. <laughs> yeah. The Ferengi that she thought was a Bolian was all set up. 
And she knows the Ferengi. Again, she has history with the Ferengi. So she has history everywhere. Yeah. I wonder, and I'm just kind of thinking of this now, we get the impression that she's kind of jaded with Starfleet a little bit, right? Like Boimler is the eager, bright-eyed, you know, everything is awesome and Starfleet is great. And you could interpret Mariner's actions as being like, you know, she doesn't buy into this whole, all that Starfleet's about and all this kind of thing. And I wonder if something happened in her past with these gray ops missions that has kind of disillusioned her and made her think like, ah, Starfleet's not that great after all. I don't know, because Boimler is very by the book. And I just wonder if she has gotten to a point that somewhere in her experience, being by the book harmed her or a mission went wrong or something happened very bad had she not followed it by the book. Like, I'm wondering if she looks at Boimler and says, I used to be like that. And that was a mistake. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and now she's rebelling on the other side of it. I'm not by the book. You know, I follow the book, but the rules are meant to be broken. And it's just like when the first episode, when she was taking those uh, farming supplies to those aliens, you know, that wasn't by the book. That wasn't part of her mission. She wasn't told to do that. She did that on her own. There's times that she has to do right and bend the rules to make that happen. And I think that's what attracts her to Boimler because she sees a lot of herself in him and says, I used to be like you and I'm going to put you on the right path. I want you to follow me and not make the mistakes I did uh, like a year or two ago. I think there's definitely something there. There's there's definitely an incident that's going to come up, I think, that explains a lot of how she deals with life and what her character where she's coming from basically yeah it's almost like three's company you know and then mr furley misunderstands something because he hears it through the door and everything goes awry and just oh i think i saw that episode yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's all misunderstanding well yeah so on the course of this mission of course the the klingon general steals the shuttlecraft and hijinks ensue as they kind of chase him through this planet we get to see these different districts around the planet as well which is kind of cool yeah so i will say the general stealing the shuttlecraft i did think the first time i watched it i did laugh at that i think i did because i did <laughs> thought that was think that was kind of funny that they just get off and they think he's like whatever passed out in the shuttlecraft and all of a sudden <laughs> takes off it's like oh there he goes again <laughs> you know like, what <laughs> but you know seeing all the different districts I love that. There's there's aspects of this episode that I really love in the fact that even though I didn't find it as humorous or as funny as the first episode, there are aspects of this episode that I really liked that really build on Star Trek. Because how many times have we seen a planet where there's different districts of all these alien nations? And we haven't really seen anything like that. But with animation, we're able to do that. And I love that. I love the idea of going to a planet and there's the little Kronos Klingon section and there's the Andorian section and so on and so forth. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And even a Rysian section yeah. where Boimler gets into some unique trouble with this this alien who apparently is planning on laying eggs in his throat. <laughs> the Audubage, I think she was called. Yeah. On a barge, yeah, putting eggs in the throat with that fountain in the background with that, what is it? The horagon. The horagon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, picking up on little Easter eggs is nice too. Oh, absolutely. I've got pages, I think more in this one than the first one, which I was really surprised about. Oh, good, because but... I want to hear about those. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of them. Um, 
the the one thing with this story with Mariner and Boimler that stuck out to me that I didn't catch the first time I watched it was the Klingon general has some kind of sense of responsibility because at the end when they find the shuttlecraft it's in front of the Federation embassy <laughs> like he's totally loaded and drunk and whatever but he's like well I guess I better get to the Federation embassy for my negotiations now <laughs> he like crashes the shuttle on their doorstep basically yeah now that I think about <laughs> it you would think they would send somebody out if a shuttlecraft landed on the doorstep of your embassy and it's like, hey, better go check that out. <laughs> but they didn't. But yeah, and you talked about this briefly as well, the incident with the Ferengi. And, you know, so Boimler's re- really discouraged. He realizes he's not, you know, up to this challenge and not as good at this stuff as Mariner is. And, you know, he's really disillusioned. He throws away his comm badge. He feels like, you know, when they're back to the ship, he's going to leave Starfleet. You know, he's done. And Mariner says, well, look, okay, let's take this shortcut. We got to find that shuttlecraft. And they encounter a Ferengi. And this Ferengi, like he's even dressed in like season one TNG furs. <laughs> and he's acting, you know, he's wringing his hands and talking about, oh, give me your profits, humans. <laughs> and like just so stereotypical Ferengi. And Mariner seems to like buy into this and wants to go with him. And Boimler, of course, is like, no, this is ridiculous. We can't follow this guy. He's a Ferengi. They're the most untrustworthy race in the galaxy, which I thought was an interesting line and a little bit questionable, but still fitting in with how we've seen Starfleet officers talk about the Ferengi in the past. (laughs) Yeah. When Mariner then says, uh, no, I think that's a Bolian. Did you think she was lying or did you think, oh my gosh, she seems to know everything, but this time she's messed up? Oh no, I totally, she was absolutely lying and trying to set it up. See, I was, I I wouldn't say surprised, but I would say I was like, oh, pleasantly like, oh, that's cool. They went that way that she knew the Ferengi and had set it up completely. At first I thought this was just like a situation that she was taking advantage of to kind of build Boimler up and, and make him feel better about himself. But the fact that like she actually knows this Ferengi and he's totally different than what we see and she set this up from the beginning, I thought was a nice turn for the story to take. Yeah, because when that happened, when she's like, oh, no, I think that's a Bolian. I was like, OK, she's got to know that's a Ferengi. I mean, and she oh, knows yeah, what a Bolian is. You, you can't tell me she doesn't know the difference between a Ferengi and a Bolian. So I thought, yeah, I think she's letting Boimler have his moment. But I didn't necessarily think she knew the Ferengi. I think she just mm-hmm. thought, oh, I'll let him handle. I'll let him think he's the smart one in this situation. But when we see Quimp, which is the friend of hers, is the Ferengi, he's got a little eyepiece and he's, yeah, not like that first season TNG Ferengi. He's more like the uh, guy from the Monopoly boards or whatever. So Yeah, I, I love that, by the way. We've never seen a Ferengi with a monocle before. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I, I want to see, like, I want to see more of this guy. Can he be a recurring character somehow? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll show up on DS9 sometime. Oh, that'd be great. He would fit in really well. You know, he seems, and he seems like a nice guy. You know, how's the wife? Oh, we're going to Risa next month. <laughs> oh, jealous. <laughs> I love that conversation. <laughs> now, speaking of, do you think we will see DS9, for example, sometime in the series? I think that would be cool. I know that in season one, we are getting legacy, like guest actors coming back at some point. Uh, I could see like these iconic locations or something like that show up. And I would love to see Deep Space Nine. Well, especially the Grand Nagus Rom. 
he's got to have some part in all this. Yeah. Yeah. I joined a live chat with uh, Starfleet boy. Uh, he's another YouTuber. And I, I just like was joining in the comments and stuff. And something they said made me realize, oh my God, oh my gosh, Max Gredenchek as Rom in this series. I would love to see that. That would be so great. <laughs> oh, brother. He's got such a distinctive voice that like, I think he would be really good in an animated role. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. I would love to see him and Quark and everybody, anybody that's like a Ferengi at any time in this series. So the B storyline, and this is one that I really enjoyed with Rutherford and Tendi. And and this week it's kind of interesting. Tendi seems to really take a back seat, I think, to the other characters. She's kind of the inciting bit for what Rutherford goes through, but she's not really there for most of this episode. Yeah, this is the Rutherford storyline for sure. Yeah, Definitely. So Tendi wants to watch this Pulsar and apparently Rutherford offered to watch it with her at some point, but you know, he's really busy working in the Jeffries tubes and doesn't have the time. So she basically coerces him, but not intentionally. He basically is like, yeah, I'm going to try different departments. So I have more time to spend uh, with Tendi here. And what's interesting is when I first watched this, I was like, what's the, what's the time frame for this? Like how easily can you switch departments on the ship? And then I rewatched it and she says, oh, the, we're going to, we have to watch it at 0800. So this is all one day. This all happens in one day. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that because with Boimler and Mariner on their away mission, it's not like an overnight thing. No. Yeah. And this is all taking place during that time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess you can. Well, see, I think it's funny you said that because when he kept switching departments, the departments would cheer him on. Yay, you're switching departments. Yay, good for you. And I thought, is it really that easy to switch departments? Like, I could be switching departments like every other day and people would be cheering me on. <laughs> that was actually one of my favorite aspects of this episode. And they kind of play on that a little bit. I feel like we're really used to, especially in our television shows that we watched people being kind of backstabby and self-interested and being slighted if if things go against them kind of thing but in this one like this really reminded me of one of the things that i love about star trek is that whole you know working to better yourself and all this kind of stuff and the engineering department head and the security chief, they're both so encouraging when Rutherford wants to explore different options. You know, oh, got to be true to yourself. Got to, you know, flex your muscles and try different things. I love that. Like that was so Star Trek to me. I, it's it's a little thing, but I thought it was really nice that they flip that on its ear. And, and, you know, they tease you a little bit. They make you think that they're going to be really annoyed and angry. But then they say, oh, no totally encouraging and you know all the officers cheer him like you said it's really sweet yeah i agree with you on that because when he was in engineering and rutherford said he wanted to transfer and his commander officer is like what you you know like you expect him to say no you can't transfer you can't leave because he just complimented on how you know you're one of my number one people to whatever and i i remember at that moment when the commander sounds like he's about to decline it and give him grief about it. I remember thinking, I would think in Starfleet, you'd be a little more supportive. And then he was like, oh, I think it's great. Yes, follow your dreams or whatever. And I was like, ah, there, there it is. Okay, I like this. (laughs) 
Yeah, and then similarly with the security chief, and I, I love that the like security team they call themselves the Bear Pack yeah. or something like that. <laughs> and you know, he's like, uh, "Yeah, oh yeah, you got to be true to yourself. Do what you're you're passionate about." And everyone's cheering, and he's like, "Aw, bears!" <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. So cute. I didn't even pick up on the oh bears until the second time I watched it. And I, I think I <laughs> almost chuckled at that one. <laughs> well, I want to tell you about the part that I did laugh out loud at was when he transfers to the command division and we have the simulations on the bridge on the holodeck <laughs> with uh, Commander Rand. So I was laughing pretty hard through this stuff. So first of all, there's this kind of more advanced scenario where they're approaching a temporal anomaly and he just says, maintain course and the ship blows up and, uh, you know, ransom says next time, try the Janeway, the Janeway protocol. And I'm like, what's, what's the Janeway protocol. (laughs) This is something I'm hoping becomes a running joke. Like we never get explained exactly what the Janeway protocol is, but I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but where I really laughed, (laughs) was when they he does the more basic simulation with just this little asteroid and you know oh the asteroid's taken out the kindergarten (laughs) now it's taken out the pre-k we're venting all the children into space he's like all those kids (laughs) and then ransom's line where he says, I've run this simulation thousands of times, and that has literally never happened. Let's try it again with a different ship with more kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of funny, too. I, I like the oh. thing about, th- do it with more kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was, yeah, I was really laughing at that. Um, and then he he does try his hand in the medical department as well. And this was pretty funny where he's talking to the Bajoran who's on the table getting operated on. and He just can't, you know, lie to the guy. He, he says, oh, you only have an 18% chance of dying. Oh, now it's up to 20. You might want to get that heart rate down. <laughs> he's just freaking out. No bedside manner. Yeah, and I think it was at that point they said you'd probably be better off in security. And my first thought was the doctor from Voyager because he didn't always have a good bedside manner in the early days of that series. And I thought it would have been great if they said, you know what, doctor, this isn't working in sick bay. Maybe we should put you in security, but there's no other medical personnel to handle sick bay. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Then you got to stay. I I did like this as well because, you know, I'm glad he didn't just automatically succeed at everything he did. Like there, there were areas that he was strong in and areas that he was weak in. And, uh, you know, that's an important thing to kind of realize about yourself as well. And I I do love that he excelled in security. Like there is another thing that he could have done really, really well in. It's just not his passion. You know, I think that's important. It's those tubes. When he sees the tube, he sees that woman come (laughs) out of the tube and he just sees that empty tube glistening. And he's like, that's his calling. He has to go back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think like, you know, last week we talked about what's the major message of the show. And I feel like this one's got a few different ones, but like one of them is definitely be true to yourself. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. And even if you're really good at something, that doesn't necessarily mean it's something that you're passionate about. And you should, you know, follow your passions and do what you're, you're really 
uh, want to do and what you're passionate about. I think that's one of the main messages that I got from this. Yeah, the main message I got from it was that, but also uh, supporting those that you work with and those who are your friends. From what we were just discussing, where everyone on the ship seems to support Rutherford's opportunity to explore other areas and figure out where he needs to fit in. And everybody is supportive of that. Everybody's cheering him on. And even though it doesn't support how he wants to spend time with Tendi to look at the pulsar, she's very understanding about that. And like, oh, well, we can find another way to do this. We can watch it in the tubes. And it's like, you know, again, he wants to keep his promise to her and support her. And she finds a way that she can support what he needs. And then with Boimler and Mariner down the planet, it's the same thing we talked about before. You know, he's trying his best to go by the books and be the best Starfleet officer. And she's doing whatever she can to show him, you know, maybe you don't follow the books all the way. Maybe you just need to gain the experience and don't feel down about yourself and she sets up that thing with the Ferengi to support him and gain his confidence back that he isn't always wrong you know that he is right just how you have to handle the situations so to me it was all about supporting one another yeah definitely that comes across in both stories really strongly I I gotta say I really love that closing shot with uh Tendi and Rutherford in the Jeffrey's tube. That's so sweet, yeah. right? Leaning on each other's backs there. And, you know, she's gazing at the pulsar and he's gazing longingly into like the circuitry of the ship. Like, ah, oh, so beautiful. I, 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 it's two episodes in and I really like and care about these characters. <laughs> yeah, I would say I do too. I, that's the thing. The characters are really working for me. Uh, yeah. Operation Smorgasbord. That's that's canon now, too. I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, Easter eggs. I have a ton and oh, wow. uh, I, I definitely can't go through all of them. I think them, you're but... probably going to touch on some things that are things other things we haven't mentioned that I really liked. OK, well, for me, one of the best things was we get a, a few different alien races from the animated series yes. in this episode, which is really cool you know, the Vendorian shapeshifter, right? There are so many shapeshifter species from all of Star Trek's history. And I love that they went back and grabbed the Vendorian from the animated series. He was like a spy basically in the animated series. And here there's, there's one that's just a thief. He's just stealing stuff and pretending to be old Andorian men and and little Andorian kids. You know, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I was just thinking when I said, I think you're going to touch on some things I really like that we haven't mentioned. And that's the one I was really thinking about, because when the shapeshifter showed up, I was like, oh, my gosh, from the animated series. This is so great. And yeah, the episode was <laughs> the survivor that that. Uh, yes. Vendorian was in. Yeah. This one was a little harder to see because I, I freeze framed on this overhead shot and I was picking out a bunch of different aliens. And then in the bottom right corner. This was kind of the, the Klingon district overhead shot. There's an Aurelian or a score, depending on, on which one. The the winged bird people from the animated series. There's one in the corner. Did you catch him? No, I didn't. But now I have to go back and look. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, these are fun. You got to go back and, and, and look for all of them now. It's kind of like the, the Where's Waldo or, you know, the Search for Spock book that came out a while ago. Yeah. But for... Episodes. It's funny you yeah. said that. I thought about that book last week when I watched the first episode. The other one that I loved when they're walking through the Klingon district is in the background behind them are some like display cases where they're selling weapons. 
And there's like the usual stuff. There's batleths and mechleths and the knives, the duck togs and stuff. But there's also Klingon disruptors from like the original series style disruptors and then from the movies. And then there's one that I think we've basically very rarely seen. And it's a big long one from early Star Trek The Next Generation. And I was like, oh, wow, they are really pulling those uh, designs out. That's like nice. This one I don't think is even in the Star Trek encyclopedia, if you look up the Klingon weapons. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to do the whole freeze framing and really study things like this. So this is good. I like this. Because now I know what to look for. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and, and there's so many more. The one that I found that I haven't seen a lot of other people find either is when we're in the security division and, and the bear pit, right? We have the, the different security officers there. Uh, off to the left-hand side, you see a Napian, which we talked about last week. They have the big kind of round thing on their foreheads. But on the right-hand side, I'm pretty sure is an Antaran, which was the alien race that apparently fought a bunch of wars with the Denobulans. And there was that Enterprise episode where Phlox has to treat an Antaran. Oh, wow. And uh, that racial prejudice kind of yeah. comes up there. Oh, wow. That's a good catch. Yeah. And, and I was like, what is that? And I looked closer and closer and then it hit me because he has a, just these distinctive dots on either side of these kind of ridges on his forehead. So, yeah. I just wonder if they have a table uh, where they put all these pictures of alien races and they just grab one. We're going to do one of this and we're going to do one of that. You know? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. That, yeah, they have some sort of system where they've gotten as many different ones as they can find. <laughs> I didn't really catch that many... Easter eggs. I mean, yeah, the shapeshifter and all that. But I will say that there's little things in here that I really liked. And I noticed this. I don't know if they saw this in the first episode. Maybe it was one of the trailers or something. But I'm really digging the bottom of their shoes. Yeah, the the little Starfleet logo and the little and star. The little star. Or I'm like, I've got to have shoes with that on the bottom. Somebody needs to make that. Someone, please. I want Star Trek shoes with that on the bottom. Has to be there. Definitely. And I mean, like where I live in Northern Alberta for half the year, we've got that snow. I would leave, I would leave such cool tracks with those boots if I had those. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because based on where we're living, I was thinking sand on a beach. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But uh, then the other things I noticed is, of course, Mariner doing the blast shields like we saw in the trailer that was mm, in this mm -hmm. episode and the noodles all scattered around and stuff. One thing I thought was a little amusing to me is the conservative walk of uh, the conservative energy walk. That's how <laughs> section 31 does this. I've kind of enjoyed that part too. So those, that was cute. Yeah. Those are kind of little small things that I wrote down that were Like you said, just said they were cute. There were little things I like even Rutherford saying, okie dokie. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one too, uh, during the Andorian fight in the bar, uh, one of them has an Ushan Tor, which is their ice mining tool from Enterprise. Yes. I thought that was a nice little touch. That's a good one, yeah. And I'm pretty sure in that scene there's a Lurian as well, a guy that you know looks a lot like Moore, and he's got the big mouth like that. Yeah, you know, I think the first time I remember thinking, I wasn't sure if it was a Lurian or not. I'm I'm pretty sure he seems to be missing his ears. Is the one thing I would have if I was drawing them, I would have added, but. You know, other than that, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's what that's supposed to be. Yeah. I could be wrong. I wasn't but. too sure. I, I was kind of voting on the not really. 
but looks like it, but not quite. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess uh, all that's left. And again, like last week, I'm kind of trying to get away from giving them, you know, a rating out of 10 or out of five, because I feel like, you know, they, they just always be really high and there's nowhere to go up from there. So, you know, my rating for this episode, similar to last week, I'm going to say I, I think it's a really well-crafted engineered scenario wherein my Ferengi friend helps boost the confidence of my fellow officer. That's my rating for this episode. Wow. (laughs) That has a lot more thought into what I was going to rate it. Mine is, I think this is a sweet Star Trek story. Oh, I like it. I like the alliteration. That's always good. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Lots of thought into that. (laughs) perfect i love it well next week we have another new episode of lower decks this one is called temporal edict uh and i did get to see the little trailer for it not sure really what it's about from that trailer interestingly so it doesn't seem to give too much away uh other than commander ransom doing a riker leg extension thing and and (laughs) suffering the consequences yeah no i Yeah, there's not a lot there, but uh, I'm kind of glad. I wouldn't be surprised. I agree. So yeah, join us next week when we talk about that episode. Uh, In the meantime, you can find us online. I'm at Kurtrats on Twitter, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can find the show at Positively Trek. And you can find the show also on our Facebook discussion group. Just search for Positively Trek on Facebook. We have a show page and a discussion group. Feel free to like the show page and join us in the discussion group to talk about this episode and all of the other episodes and other things that come up with regards to Star Trek. There's no holds barred when it comes to Star Trek discussion in that group. Yeah, send us an email or something. Yeah, we'd love to hear stuff. And you can follow me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.